morning. Hey, I, uh, I'm honored to be here this morning. I, I love North Canton Chapel. Um, not the building, right? But, but you guys, like I, I don't know all of you, but uh, I know many of you, and you're dear to me. Uh, I pray for you, and, and uh, so I'm, I'm excited uh, to have the opportunity to share uh, this morning what God's spoken to me over the last few weeks. Uh, I'm also humbled to be here because you have a, a leadership here that is devoted to God's word um, in, in a time where there maybe aren't many who are, who are truly devoted to the word of God and believe that the Bible is is alive and is the words of the one true living God and uh, proclaim it with authority every week. And so the fact that they've entrusted me with that opportunity this morning is, is really humbling. And, and uh, I, w- I want you to, um, to, to realize what a gift that is uh, to have the leaders that you have. And the, the other reason I'm excited is because I've, I've prayed a lot that God would speak to me and that these would be his words. And I feel like he has. And so I, I believe that God has a word for you this morning uh, that uh, we're going to uh, see in these, this kind of little short phrase in the Lord's Prayer. So Pastor Brandon started our series last week on the Lord's Prayer. Um, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, this was uh, the message last Sunday. And so this week I get to do the next phrase, uh, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I get the, I get the title of the series passage. I don't know how I got that lucky. But um, we're going to ask three questions of this little text. The first question is going to be, what exactly are we praying? So we need to make sure we understand. What does it mean when it says kingdom? Right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. So that'll be the first question, and so we want to understand it and think through even, what does it mean, as in heaven? Maybe that'll help us understand it more. But what are we praying? And then two, why are we praying it? Why are we going to pray this prayer? Why should we? What's the motivation behind praying it? And then the third question is going to be, who should pray this prayer? And I was saying, not, not everybody should pray this prayer. Uh, so maybe that one, you're like, huh? So we'll get there in a second. We've got two, two, two other ones first. So um, what are we praying uh, exactly? And so kingdom. What does the word kingdom mean? What does it take to have a, a kingdom? Uh, we, need, we need a couple things for there to be a kingdom. What do we need? A king. We need a king. And we need... People, subjects, right? Subjects of the kingdom. Uh, So we need a king and we need subjects. And Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus talked about the kingdom a ton. So there's about 150 uses of kingdom in the Bible. Like 130 of them are in the Gospels. Jesus talked about the kingdom a lot. And so his kingdom isn't of this world. What's that mean? It, It is not a physical place that Jesus is describing when he talks about the kingdom. It's not a concrete location. Paul said the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy 
which the Holy Spirit gives. The, the kingdom is moral, right, in, in essence. Uh, it's, a, it's an abstract sort of quality describing the place where God's creation submits to him and, and acknowledges uh, he is king, um, he, is, he is Lord. He alone has dominion and authority and the right to rule. No one else does. It's his. Um, that is the kingdom of God. So this, this kind of sphere. Um, and, uh, when we pray, we're not, we're not asking that somehow he would be made more of a king. Right? Is God king? He's king already, right? You're not, you're not, and you're not adding to his kingship. You're not making him more king than he is. It's the acknowledgement of him as king. It's that there would be, there would be less rebellion to his kingship. Uh, that more knees would bend and more heads would bow and acknowledge that he, he actually is king of all. And that he alone has the right to rule absolutely Right? And so he is king. So we're praying that that would happen. God, would your kingdom come? Would more people acknowledge you as king and acknowledge your lordship? Would acknowledge that you have the right to rule every area of their lives? And to get a, a really great picture of that, Jesus compared it to something. He said, as it is in heaven. So what's going on in heaven? Like right now, what is going on in heaven? And we actually get a, a great glimpse into heavenly things in the book of Revelation. So I'm going to do something different. I'm going to read to you a long passage, two chapters actually. And uh, you can read along if you want, uh, or you can close your eyes if you want. There's a lot of imagery in these two chapters. And just picture What's going on in heaven right now? Like, like as we speak. This, is, this didn't just happen when John saw it 2,000 years ago. This is happening. Right? And so, so listen. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the faces of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. 
and day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll, written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open up the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out to all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures And the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne, And to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. The kingdom. Right, That's what's going on in heaven right now as we speak. Do you notice the word repeated in there? 18 times it said throne. Everything in that atmosphere was centered on the throne. Everything was described in relationship to the throne. Right? Jesus' lordship and, and God's kingship 
the, are, the, are the central themes, right, of that atmosphere. What is going on in heaven? It all revolves around him. Uh, it is not about anyone else. No one else deser- deserves glory and honor and blessing and power. No one else is worthy of it. Right? That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. And so that's what we're praying when we pray this. We say, God, I went that's what's going on in heaven. I want that to come down here because it's not here. Like here, here people are about themselves. They are the center of their world, they believe. God, I am the center of my world, I believe. I think people need to know what's going on in my life and people need to know that I'm important and I want praise and I want glory. I want honor and I want blessing and and, but, but I want to see, when I ask that prayer, I'm saying, God, I want to see what's going on in heaven be, be a, a reality here in the present, now. Right? The eyes will be fixed on you and you alone, Lord. So that's what, that's what we're requesting. Okay, so that's the content, right? What is it we're asking exactly? And it kind of answers the next question. Why are we praying it? Why, why pray this? Why pray, why pray it all? Why pray the Lord's Prayer? Why pray any prayers? God receives glory and honor and fame and power and might when people acknowledge his kingship. It's what, he, he's not somehow being made more king, but he's being acknowledged as king and he's receiving glory and it's due him, Right? It is proper because of who he is. He deserves our, our absolute devotion. He deserve, deserves our proclamation that he is Lord of all. And so we, the reason we want to see it come is for God. We pray for God's sake is the point of, of, of this phrase. Prayer is not about you. It's not about getting God to accomplish the things that you think should happen so that way your kingdom can be furthered or so that you can have more pleasure or more comfort in life or the, that somehow uh, life would, the, the troubles in life would disappear for me. And, and No, it is, it is the polar opposite, right? That, that's the way of the world. Right? Our, our, especially our culture, right? Where we are all consumed with our personal rights, and the Lord's Prayer says, no, I have no rights. God, you alone have rights. You have, you have the right to do whatever you want to do. This isn't about me. Right? Regardless of what my, our, our culture tells us, your life is not about you. As we look around at the world, we see that it, it's pervasive in the world, right? Social media is, says, my world is really important and everybody needs to know about it. And what I have going on is valuable. And, and we say, no, we are not of this world. God, we're of a different kingdom. We are not citizens here. We're strangers and aliens here. And God, that kingdom is what I long for. And in, and in that kingdom, I am, a, I am a subject. I am a servant in that kingdom. 
I give you all the glory. And so, and so when, we, when we pray, when we pray rightly, right, we're saying, God, if, if somehow my prospering benefits you and brings you glory, so be it. And if somehow my success brings you glory, so be it. I, I want that. And if, if God, somehow my, um, me receiving some sort of pleasure or benefit, or if that gives you glory, so be it. I want that. But if my failure brings you glory, God, so be it. If me not getting this thing I want, and in fact, instead getting bad things gives you glory, so be it. If my suffering brings you glory, so be it. Bring it on. Right? That's the heart of Jesus in the garden. Um, he says, Father, I don't want this. Take this from me, this cup. I'm... I'm uh, he was sorrowful and, and agonizing, sweating blood. He said, God, I don't want this. I'm scared of it. Remove it from me. Not my will, but yours be done, though, God. And he knew full well, Isaiah 53 says, it was God's desire to crush him. God's will was that Jesus would be crushed. And so Jesus is saying, God, I don't want to, but even if it involves crushing me, if it brings you glory, if it furthers your kingdom, that's what I want. And so we, we pray because of what Pastor Brandon preached last week. Hallowed be your name. Right, that God's name would be furthered uh, in this world because he deserves it. Um, Jesus said in, uh, in Luke 17, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's this thing welling up inside of me that says, God, I, more and more, I want, I want you, I want your rule and your reign to be observed in this world. The last question, though, who, who should pray this prayer? Who should pray this prayer? Not everybody should pray this prayer. Jesus said the kingdom of God is good news. He told the disciples, he said, go preach the good news of the kingdom. But it's not good news for everybody. For many, for many people, actually, for more people, the kingdom of God is terrible news. Right, because if you're in rebellion to the king, when he returns, it's it's really bad news. Um, Jesus compared it to a field. He said the kingdom is like a field where seeds have been sown, and there's a bunch of weeds in the field. And eventually, he's going to return. He's going to separate them, and, and he's going to burn the weeds up. Or, or it's like a, he's compared it to a net that catches a bunch of fish, and then and then the fish are separated. Good fish, junk fish. This fish is good for eating, and this fish is, is useless. Um, it's, it's worthless. The, 
the kingdom of God is, uh, is for kingdom citizens. And so we need to ask ourselves, am I a kingdom citizen, right? Am I a kingdom citizen? Uh, and, and if I am, then I, I want to pray this prayer. But if I'm not, uh, the, I, I do not want to pray this prayer. I want to repent and, and become a, a true citizen of the kingdom of God and a subject of the king. And um, so, so what do we see in the, in the gospels about the kingdom that help us maybe answer this question? Am I, am I a kingdom am citizen? Am I a subject of the king? And there, there's several things. The first thing, the, the kingdom of God is for a few. Just for a few. Luke 13 Jesus is asked, and he says, Lord, will those who are saved just be a few? And he said, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. The narrow door. The the kingdom of God, notice it, is not just for people who want in. Did you catch that? Many will seek to enter. There are people who want to get into the kingdom of God and are not allowed. That's hard. Why is that? Because the kingdom of God isn't just for people who want to be there and remain in rebellion to the king. Right? The kingdom of God is for people who want to come under his rule and reign, who want to be his subjects, who want to bow their head and bend their knee and, and allow their will to bend, right, to his will. Your will be done, right, not my will. Jesus said to Nicodemus, uh, unless one is born again, he can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And, and man, am I born again? What does it even mean to be born again? Have I been made new? Am I a new creation in Christ? Don't, don't answer, I prayed a prayer one time. Right? You can't say that. I repented one time. A pastor told me to slip my hand up. Uh, and he, he said it was easy as, as raising my hand and repeating after him. Um, it, he lied to you. Um, Jesus did not, Jesus said just the opposite actually. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by your fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, 
Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. By their fruit, you will know them. To examine ourselves. If I truly bent my knee to God and his will, it, he will transform me. Right? Right? If he has truly made me a new creation, then there will be fruit of that. That's what Jesus is talking about. I will notice things in my life changing. There will be transformation that is naturally flowing. If I, if I really have been made God, or made new by God, it, the gospel involves self-denial. It involves taking up my cross it involves me saying, God, you have all the rights to rule, and I repent of being king of my life. I repent of my dreams, my goals, my name being furthered, and I want you to be in charge, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I tried to uh, take authority that was rightfully yours, and so I give it all to you. That's the furthest thing from easy. Like I battle, that's my, I battle that every day, right? Moment by moment, saying, God, you are in charge. You rule. You reign supremely. I battle with the Lord this morning. The things wouldn't it be about my name being furthered, but about his name being furthered. That's the fight of true faith. Right? If that's what you will see fruit of that in your life. If you know God and have been born again. Um, secondly, the kingdom of God is for those who want to surrender to and serve God. Jesus is seeking willing obedience. Jesus wants you to uh, obey his commands. And if you saw it in there, the kingdom is for those who do the will of the Father. He, Jesus compared it to leaven or yeast that works its way through bread, right? It starts small, but then it takes over. Or he compared it to a mustard seed. It starts small, but then it begins to take over everything. It becomes the biggest tree in the garden. And, and so uh, I should see obedience to God's law and holiness like growing in me. Um, not begrudgingly, though, but it's because he's changing the desires of my heart. He's given me desire for him and his kingdom and his rule, and so holiness becomes fruit. If I know God, if I truly know him, then I'll love him. And Jesus said, if I love him, then I'll obey him. And Paul in, in Romans 12 says, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. But before it, he gives the reason for it. He says, in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. And it's a conclusion to verse, chapters 1 through 11, right? And so in Romans, Paul's saying, um, mankind has sinned and rebelled against God, and you've chosen your ways and your authority and your rule and to worship another. And then God gave you over to that. He allowed you to receive the things that you're pursuing. 
But then in the midst of that, while you were enemies to God, he sent his son to justify you. To pay the price for your rebellion so you could come under his rule and reign. And he invited you into his family through his son. And and you're no longer a slave to the law and trying really hard to be moral. You died to the law and you've been made alive with Christ and you are his bride now. And then God gave you his spirit who helps you cry out to him, Abba, Father. And then God gives you desires that others would be a part of this family and that that others would acknowledge him as king so that he would receive more glory and more honor because he deserves it. And then chapter 12. So in view of that, all that God did, in view of God's mercy, what is the only response? It's to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. Jesus alone is my motivation for the kingdom to come. If if Jesus isn't enough to motivate you to obedience, then you don't know him. You you aren't saved. Because if you know him, you'll love him. And if you love him, you will obey him. And so the kingdom is for servants. The kingdom of God is also for the weak and needy. The kingdom of God is is not for people who think they are substantial, who think that uh, they really have a lot to offer, who think that they're strong and they're powerful. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. When the disciples asked who was the greatest in the kingdom, he picked up a child, put him on his lap and said, you have to become like a child to enter the kingdom. Unless you become like a child, you can't enter into it. Um, a child is humble and, and, and says, I, I need help. Help me. He said it must be received like a child. James says, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him. We sang about this earlier in one of the songs that said, in his love and kindness, he chose the lonely and the weak. So if you think you deserve notoriety because of your accomplishments or you're worthy of glory and honor, or you think you're a pretty big deal, right, that, that fits here in this world. Jesus said rulers of the world rule like that. Um, It doesn't fit with what's going on there, though. You'll be out of tune uh, with what is going on in heaven. Right? The chorus in heaven is is centered on the throne and that he receives glory and honor and fame. Has nothing to do with me. My eyes are fixed on on him, the king. And lastly, the last thing we see Jesus say repeatedly, the kingdom of God is for desperate people. It is for desperate people. People who are willing to go to great extremes because they want it so badly. And that one flows out of the previous one. Why do they they want it? Because they're weak and needy. They're They're like a starving man who's desperate for food. And so they'll climb up trees to get a glimpse of him. 
They'll cut holes in roofs to get their friends in front of him. They'll cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Because the last thing they want is for him to pass them by. They're people who are willing to cut off their hands if it's keeping them from him and gouge their eyes out. They're people who are willing to sell everything they have because the kingdom for them is like a treasure buried in a field or a pearl of great worth that they find. Right? So they're desperate for it. They don't make excuses about all the things that are keeping them from God. Right? They chase after him. They abandon everything. They put their hands to the plow and they don't look back. Right? Because they want the kingdom. They say, I gotta have the kingdom because I gotta have the king. They're, they're like David when he prays in Psalm 27. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord, one thing that I have to have, and that's to dwell in his house forever that I may gaze upon his beauty. One thing, right? One prayer. Jesus said the same thing, right? Seek first the kingdom. Everything else is secondary. Right? Seek first the kingdom. One thing I ask of the Lord. All I care about is the kingdom of God. I gotta have it. I gotta have the king. I want to get to him. I'm desperate for him. I give up everything. But I have, I have to have him. So how do we respond? Um, how do we respond to this? Right? We have a word from the Lord, and whenever God speaks, we should respond. Um, so there's a, there's a few options. Right? It depends on where I'm at here. Um, it, are you a person who says, man, I, I know for a fact I'm a kingdom citizen? Because I... Because I Man, I, I realize that I'm weak and needy and that I need God so bad and I hunger for him. I want him so much. I just want to be with him. I don't struggle to read my Bible. I can't read it enough. Man, I want to come before God and I just want to be in his presence and I just want to sit there and I just want to enjoy him because he's so good. God's spirit's doing that in my heart. He's helping me cry out to him. I, see, I do see my desires changing. Like I, I see my sin more and more and more and I find it more despicable than ever. I hate it, I want it out. And I love God's law. I wanna please him. And if, and if that's you, then, then how do we respond? We say, God, I, if there are any areas of my life that I am still trying to be king, I wanna repent of them. I wanna turn and I wanna give them to you and I wanna... I wanna um, Get off the throne in that area of my life. And so the altars are open. You could come, come now. Right? If you sense God doing that, don't wait. Come now. Um, come forward and, and, and repent and say, God, I, I repent of trying to be king of, of this anymore. Um, if you say, man, I, I don't know. I'm worried. Like, I don't want to be one who says, Lord, Lord. And then Jesus says, I didn't know you. Um, depart from me. 
I don't want to be one who, notice in that passage, this isn't somebody who hides their faith. This isn't someone who, says, who, who keeps it a secret. This is someone who says, Lord. And, and not just someone who says it once. They emphasize it. Lord, Lord. Right? These are people who sing with passion, we are the sons and daughters. But are we? Are you? Ask God to show you. Um, Examine yourself and say, God, do I see fruit in my life? Are you changing me? Are you transforming me? Not just my, my actions, but my heart. And do I love you more? Do I have affection for you? Maybe, maybe you say, I, I know, actually, that I don't follow Jesus. You're aware of it, but you're sensing conviction. So, so either one of those, what do you do? Come, like repent, come before God. Not because he's safe, Pastor Brandon said last week, but because he's good. You can trust him. Come before him and say, show me, Lord. Show me my heart and help me. I repent for the first time, God. You are king and you are Lord over all things. Lastly, if, if you hear this and think, oh, that really makes any sense even. Or it made you angry, maybe. Or you disagree. Um, Jesus said though seeing they do not see though hearing they do not hear or understand you'll be ever hearing but never understanding you'll be ever seeing but never perceiving how do you respond I would say pray still pray and ask God to give you eyes to see and ears to hear to remove calluses from your heart that are keeping you from hearing his word Beg him to do it, because unless he, do, he does it, you, you will be ever hearing, but never perceiving. Um, the kingdom of God is not good news for either of those other two groups, right? the second and third group. And, and we sang earlier, you probably sang it, every knee will bow before him. Um, that's not an option. Right, that's going to happen. Um, whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. Right? And so the choice is, do I, do I bow now willfully and joyfully because he's king and because he's good? Or will I be forced to bow later? But, but not bowing is not one of the options. Um, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So while the, while the options are different, they're really all the same, right? It's to repent. It's to beg God and cry out to him for mercy. Show me mercy, God. Show me more and more mercy every day. Lord, in this moment, show me mercy 
Revelation 1, 7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. So the altars are open, and uh, I'd urge you, any conviction at all, anything that you sensed in your heart, that's from the Lord. Conviction is from God and his spirit. Um, Come forward. Do business with the Lord. Um, Cry out to him. We're going to sing a song that that begs God's kingdom to come in our lives. Um, Let's pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.